Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. We've got a great show for you today, another Wild Champions League Day match day four with Wednesday's slate of fixtures. And there were some beauties, yes. Barcelona taking on Inter. What a cracking game that was. Atleti's struggles continue. The Battle of Britain at Ibrox, or was it? Spurs versus Frankfurt was another banger of a game. I think we had 36 goals in total today. It was absolutely insane. I got Nigel Rio Coker and Jonathan Johnson with me, so make sure you sit back, relax, and let us entertain you. Kei Golato begins right about now. Welcome along, everybody. Welcome, boys. How are you doing? Nigel, we'll start with you. How are you doing, man? What a crazy day that was today. Yeah, what a great game of football we saw, eh? Some some really good results. I think today was actually better than yesterday. Today went a bit more predictable than the indifferent results we saw yesterday. But what a great game, and especially the main game. What a game. I can't wait to get into that one. Yeah, looking forward to it. JJ, how you doing, man? How over there? Everything okay? Yeah, doing very well, thanks. And I think uh, after everything that we've seen tonight, I'm going to have to dip into some of Nigel Riococa's uh, cognac that arrived on my doorstep earlier today to calm me down. That was, uh, yeah, pretty insane. At least you got a little gift right there from Nigel Riococa. I'm still waiting for my mailman. Where is he? Anybody got any clues, any gifts for me? Nope, nothing coming my way. I've got way. a jacket coming in for you, mate. I know you're struggling on that front, so I'm sending you a nice jacket. Don't worry about that. Nah, you're fine. Just keep a hold of all your closet, by the way. I don't want to hear any of that. Uh, what a cracking game. Let's get into it. We'll start with Group C. I mean, an absolute banger of a game in Barcelona today. It was Barcelona against Inter Milan. Obviously, Barca up against it coming into the group today. Uh, only the three points. Inter Milan had a little bit of a cushion with three points advantage ahead of them. Um, but this, Nigel, was probably one of the best games you'll watch in the Champions League. The second half in particular was just outstanding. Finished 3-3. Crazy game. It was a crazy game. But do you know what, how it finished? I'm not really that surprised, if I'm honest. If you look at both teams, Inter Milan are not really in great form at the moment in Serie A. There's kind of indifferent run up and down. Barcelona, yes, they're leading the way. But when we had this last discussion about Barcelona, we talk about them still not being able to beat teams that are seen in the same kind of category or same level as them. The Inter Milans and the top teams in that top 1%. Really and truly, they should have been able to see the game out today. First half for me wasn't that great. It was what we normally see with Barcelona. Great possession. Parson moved that ball well. So pretty on the eyes to watch. Lacking that bite. Lacking mm. in that final bit, that real creativity, that real bit of individual individuality that you need. Lacking it so much. Dembele for me is the one that's really making this Barcelona side tick. Finally take the lead. They've got to be able to see games out. Barcelona have to be able to see games out. But second half... We've got to give credit to Inter Milan because whatever that team talk that Inzaghi gave to them at halftime, it worked. They were fantastic second half. And in overall play, I think for me, Inter Milan deserved to win that game. But again, same problem with Inter Milan. Can't seem to see out games and don't have the, the ability to be able to finish it in a very professional level. Mm -hmm. You can't go 2-1 up 
at the new camp and let Barcelona have any kind of chance. And I know, Ian, your your bromance with Lewandowski, yes, you can never write him off. And he came in and came good at the end to get the two goals because he's been struggling to really score against the top teams, as we've said as well. But he came good, and that's the reason why they got him in there today. But yeah. I think, for me, Inter Milan really will be kicking themselves because that's a game they should have won. They had the better chances and were the better side in the second half. And I think, for me, Barcelona need to look at themselves a bit because as pretty as the football they play, they need to change up sometimes and be a bit more direct and have a bit more edge about them in that final third. But overall, for us in the neutral, it's a cracking game. For yeah. me, it messed up my wager. <laughs> I mean, I think from my point of view, you know, that was one of the games that Inter really absolutely could not lose, uh, you know, and the fact that they come away from that with a draw, I think almost counts as much as a, uh, as a victory uh, in this scenario. Inter playing Plachen next, you know, there's huge pressure now on Barca going into that clash with Bayern, uh, you know, and then still, uh, you know, their fate is not in their own hands anymore. So, you know, I think kudos to, to Inter. Nigel's completely right. You know, they look like a team transformed at halftime. Very obviously, uh, you know, Inzaghi knew everything that was on the line in this game. You know, we saw him uh, get, get a red card right at the end there. You know, it's it, there. There was so much riding on this for both sides. That will feel like a, a defeat, I think, for Barca, despite the fact that they snatched a draw from uh, the, the jaws of defeat. It's still, you know, not quite enough. I mean, it was always going to be intriguing to see how this group shook out. It just now feels like, you know, maybe the die has been cast, uh, and this is sort of Inter's progression to to lose in the group. And it's, I, I mean, I think ultimately, you know, you're 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 right. You know, they did they did earn it, and you know, if Inter do manage to get out of the group, I think they earned that qualification in these two games against Barca and the way that they set themselves up, especially that second half. Yeah, can sorry, I just Dan, say it real quickly? Question. Sorry, Nigel, before you jump sorry. in there, can I just say it real quickly? They have and put themselves into such a great position to get out of the group without being at their best. To be in this position in this group with Bayern and Barcelona, Nigel, that's pretty unique, pretty special. Go ahead. Oh, it's very special, Ian. Look, I'm not going to lie to you. The, the first half, like we said, it was all Barca. All Barca. You thought, all right, Barca are going to get the goal. Inter just can't live up to the expectations of what's needed. Second half, I'm telling you, that must have been a hell of a team talk. I would have loved to be a fly on the wall because they were a different team. And it goes yeah. to show when we say the beautiful thing about football is it's a game of two halves. They were tremendous. Absolutely tremendous in the second half. They were relentless. And for me, when they took the lead, I thought, you know what? You can't argue against this if Inter win this game because they deserve to. They've shown more cutting edge, more guile in the final third and probably a bit more hunger, hunger and a bit more um, tenacity than we saw from Barcelona. My question I'm going to ask JJ quickly is this. Obviously, JJ has the luxury of watching uh, Lionel Messi play in France. We already know there's rumours and whispers about Messi leaving to go back to Barcelona at the end of the season. From how Messi's playing right now, his role for that Paris Saint-Germain team, do you not think, or what do you think, if he went back to Barcelona playing a similar role, being more of a facilitator, making these passes with the team that Barcelona have got at the moment, do you think that will be the, the, the missing X factor that Barcelona need to really be dangerous? I mean, it's a really interesting question because, you know, I don't think anyone really expected Messi to kind of discover this second wind once he moved away from Barca and when we saw how his first season with PSG went. But also at the same time, I think it was inevitable that he was going to pick up in form in a World Cup year. But 
this is a completely different Barca to the one that Lionel Messi left. And I think for if Messi went back, I think there'd probably be a temptation to slip back on old habits, you know, expect that the team would really work for him. And it's it's not built to do that anymore. Uh, you know, certainly not when you've got a Robert Lewandowski in it. You know, perhaps, you know, there might be a discussion to be had, especially given Kylian Mbappe's recent comments uh, about how he prefers playing alongside, a, a you know, the sort of a focal point of the attack, like a Benzema or a Giroud you know, about possibly, uh, you know, Lewandowski going to Paris and, uh, and and PSG sending, allowing Messi to, to go back to Barca. But I think that is a long, long way away. Um, to be honest, I don't really see what is in it apart from the emotion, uh, you know, for Messi or for Barca at this point, because it's kind of, Barca have already started their journey moving away from Messi. Messi's already sort of finding his feet away from Barca now. I think mm-hmm. for them to to try and rekindle that relationship, despite how great it was the, the first time around, uh, it, it sounds to me like a really bad idea. It's the kind of thing that could taint his history, but, you know, could he fit in sort of from a player point of view? Yeah. You know, I don't, if he was on the form that he's in at this moment in time, yes, you know, he wouldn't look out of place at, at camp now. It'd be like he's, you know, roll back the years, but ultimately I'm not convinced that it would work. And I think as well, you know, it's a big question as well, whether Messi can keep up this form going into next season, which is what it would have to be uh, for yeah. a Barca returner. Yeah, you're watching Kick a Lot, so it's Ian Joy alongside Nigel Rio Coker and Jonathan Johnson. We're discussing what just went down at the new Camp Barcelona 3 into Milan 3. Group C is really shaking up. Bayern Munich with a convincing victory today, away to Victoria Pilsen. They were on fire. They won it comfortably in the end. It was nice to see Sadio Mane on the score sheet. Nice to see Goretzka on the score sheet. Nice to see Thomas Muller back in the team as well after missing out on the Classicer uh, with uh, obviously COVID issues. But I will say this. The discussion about Group C is all about what's happening at Group C. If you are watching, please let us know your feelings. If you're a Barcelona fan, how do you feel about that performance? What do you think about your defense in that performance? In particular, PK, by the way, Nigel Rio Coker. Defensively, Barcelona, at times, just... I had to shake my head. But also, if you're watching and you're an Inter Milan fan, how did you end up not winning that game you had it in your grasp a couple of times and threw it away let us know your feelings drop a comment in before and we'll try to get the best out there to you Nigel how did Inter throw that one away I mean they had it this was their game Ian you saw it it's defensively both teams were poor defensively in vital moments of clearances when you're playing against top opposition a player like Lewandowski your your bromance brother from another that you love so much you can't half clear a ball because you saw as soon as that half clearance occurred, you saw Lewandowski's eyes. He was coming onto it instinctively to strike it. But then again, like you said about PK, that's school schoolboy football from a goal kick, a long goal kick yeah. for Inter Milan to break with a purpose, with greater aggression, to desire to get and score a goal and score that third goal. It's it's just unbelievable for me. It's just poor defending. But again, like we said, Barcelona haven't really been exposed so much in La Liga because they haven't had to face top opposition as they've been facing in the Champions League. That's well, where it the weekend. happened. Well, at the weekend, they got a Classico. Well, they will at the weekend. weekend. Now they've got their Classico. So exactly. So now this is where you're really going to see where Barcelona are at. But again, mm. it just shows for me where both teams are in a very similar position, in my opinion, where they're good, but they're easily very, very beatable. They're very yeah. beatable in the sense of good, well-structured teams can beat both these teams. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. And I think the other thing that I'd add as well is Lewandowski, having a goal scorer of Lewandowski's quality and caliber, that covers up so many cracks that, that are starting to appear in this Barca team. And that's not to say that they're a poor team. It's not to say that they're not a work in progress under Xavi. It's more that they can't afford to be a work in progress. You know, Barca didn't go out and spend all that money this summer to be a team that drops into the Europa League. Uh, you know, they're there to try and win La Liga, to try and win the Copa del Rey, to try and win the Champions League right now. Uh, and, you know, Lewandowski is their best shot at doing that because his goal scoring form is still as hot as it was uh, for Bayern. I think, you know, it really feels like Barca, sorry, Bayern, uh, it's sorry, Barca are. Uh, are relying so much on you know, Lewandowski at this moment in time. You know, you're seeing some important absences at the moment in the back. I think that's why the defence looks so shaky, particularly for Barca. You know, you've got the likes of Kunde, Christensen, who are out at this moment in time. Uh, you know, those are, you know, some big losses. Uh, and I think Nigel's completely right about the about El Clasico being a real test uh, for this Barca side. But I think we've already started to see that this Barca side are some way off being the finished article. Uh, you know, and I think that is going to cause a few problems at camp now, uh, sort of between the midway point of the season and the end of the campaign. Because like I said, you know, this project, it was designed for them to be successful now, not to be successful in two or three years time. Let's jump into some of the comments that are coming in right now. Rocco says just left a great one right here. Today was an entertaining game, but in general, I feel Barcelona play a god-awful style of keep away, which kind of kills the spirit of the game. Three, five-yard passes all over the pitch. Yeah, tiki-taka in many ways. People obviously forget that. Matt Osman coming in. Lautaro deserved a win today. He was immense in that game. Oh, I forgot. Classico was this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. We have a great one. SSB28, what's up, man? Thanks so much for tuning in. Barcelona are in big trouble. We all know how Inter versus Victoria is going to end up. Forza Ragazzi from El Solitario. Thank you very much for coming into that one. Marco Van Basten, FA, Barcelona. Sad. Seems like they're going out of the Champions League. But is it sad, Nigel? Is it sad that they're going out of the Champions League here? Or do they get what they deserve? I mean, they've got a massive game coming up now against Bayern Munich. I mean, massive. Nah, listen, JJ just said it right. You spend all that money for a reason. Barcelona's goal is to compete in the Champions League to at least make it into the last 16. That is the minimum that's expected at Barcelona. You don't spend all that money, like JJ says, to go out and going to compete in the UEFA Cup. Like, no, that's not what it's about. Regardless, you've got the players, you've got the history, and really and truly, it was in their hands. But it shows still how far they are from other clubs, historic big clubs that they're competing against. So you, you really uh, reap what you sow. And that, for mm -hmm. me, is like they said, it's pretty football to watch. But it's really lacking that bit of individuality, that real creativity and that guile at the end of the pitch. That's what's needed. I think they're heavily, like JJ said, that like, they're heavily relying on um, Lewandowski to get the goals, which covers the cracks. Dembele is another player. Please, someone else tell me where all the other creativity is coming from. It's typical Barcelona pass, be nice. I could coach against them. Stay tight, stay compact. And you can hit them on the counter-attack. If you've got players with any kind of pace and ability, you can get this Barcelona side. They're, they're not convincing to me because they're not adding that extra bit of element that's needed in the final third. They've recruited a tremendous amount of players. That's not to just qualify and go into the UEFA Cup. No way near it. 
One thing I'll say just to sort of end the the chat on Barca is, you know, it, the damage might have already been done because you look as well at the next set of games. Inter obviously at home to Victoria uh, and uh, Barca at home to Bayern, but the kickoff times are different. So Inter will have played by the time Barca even get on the pitch. And if Inter do what we all expect them to do and win, whether that's by one goal or whether that's by, you know, four, five, six, you know, it's it's all over for Barca in terms of getting out of the group. Amazing to see Bayern have won their last 11 group matches, setting a new record in the Champions League. Once again, another convincing victory for them. I mean, emphatic fashion from Bayern Munich. They did concede a couple of goals at the end of the game there, but we're really happy to watch Bayern going through. I'm not so much because I predicted that they were actually going to have some trouble. Barcelona were the team to have some trouble. It's going to be a very interesting match day four. No doubt about that one. Sorry, match day five, because this was match day four. So many goals went in the back of the net today. I've got to touch upon the fact that Robert Lewandowski has just eclipsed, what, 90 goals plus 91, I think it is. Now he's got in the Champions League. It took him 110 games to get to the 91 goals. So such an impressive record for him and an important equalizer for Barcelona in general. Let's move on from that craziness. We move on to Group B, uh, Leverkusen Porto. Leverkusen were thumped by Porto. Nigel Rio Coker, you predicted this one. They were going to get the job done. Taremi with a couple of goals there. You should be dancing, <laughs> my friend. Uh, <laughs> massive <laughs> win for Porto. Put themselves into prime position to go through here. Ian, mate, I'm telling you, there's some great teams. This is why we love the Champions League. And for me personally, I don't know how you guys feel. Don't get me wrong. We can talk to everyone listening about the fans, the historic clubs, clubs that they've always followed. But what I love, is seeing clubs that people don't really pay any attention to. But when you watch them perform, it's not just one or two players. It's the danger. It's credit to the teams because it's a team effort. You look at Porting, you look at Sporting. Yeah, Sporting probably didn't happen for them today against Marseille. But again, you look at Club Bruges, how they surprise people. There's opportunities for smaller teams, smaller clubs to really get and create chaos in this Champions League. Porto is one of those teams. Fantastically great game. I predicted that they'll get the win and I was impressed with them, not just last week, but obviously this week as well. You know, really great team, great experience, great mix. And it's a performance. They got the job done. JJ, we got to come to you about what happened at Atleti. Uh, that seat is just getting hotter for Simeone right there. Bruges, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, this was a controversial game. Very Review stepped up big time in this game. Antoine Griezmann, and I want to know your opinion on his performance. He looked like he was happy and enjoying himself, but forgot his shooting boots today. He had two or three big chances in the game. Finished nil-nil. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I think as far as Griezmann is concerned, you know, there's it's normal you're going to have that kind of rustiness. I mean, he's been feeding on scraps for the last couple of months, you know, getting what sort of 15, 20 minute runouts here and there because, you know, Atleti couldn't afford to play him more, uh, you know, because they, they weren't able to pay the fee to Barcelona. So I think it's the best thing for Griezmann that that deal has been struck, but you're going to probably see a few more performances like this until he can really get himself, uh, you know, to, to the height of his game again, fingers crossed that he can do it before the world cup, because I think a world cup with Antoine Griezmann in form for France, uh, you know, is a, is a richer place for it. Uh, personally, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm happy for, for Brugge. Uh, and that's not, you know, any sort of bias against Simeone and Atleti. I know that I've spoken down of, of, of what's going on at, uh, uh, at Atleti in the in the last couple of podcasts, but for Brugge, the the progress that they've made in the last couple of years is just incredible. You look you look you look at 
you know, how they've not only, you know, managed to impress on the continental stage, but how they've overthrown some of the other clubs, notably Anderlecht in the, on the domestic scene as well. Uh, you know, and they're, they're now this really, really interesting blend of very young talent, uh, you know, internationals from a, a variety of different countries. But you've got that Belgian core as well. I mean, Mignolet there, I mean, how many saves he made today? Phenomenal. Uh, you know, and he's a guy that many people wrote off when he left the Premier League. <clears throat> and then you look at some of the other guys as well in that squad, sort of not necessarily just journeymen, but guys who've still got something left to prove, Kyle Laren of, uh, of the Canadian national team, uh, you know, and it just feels like Brugge kind of set up now to be this season's, uh, you know, feel good story. But also, I do think that, uh, you know, Brugge have the opportunity to become one of those teams that, you know, is, you know, they, they're underrated until people start to rate them, uh, you know, mm-hmm. not necessarily as explosive as an Atalanta, but one of those sides that really people keep sitting up and, and saying, hey, you know, these guys know how to play. Because we saw last season against PSG, they ran them very, very close. It's a very good team uh, and one that I don't think gets enough credit. I mean, obviously they lost Philippe Clement to Monaco, but Karl Hofkens, I mean, he's now gotten them into the knockout phase. That's only the second Belgian team to do so, the last team being Ghent back in 2016. Just a quick one. I've got a question for you, Ian and JJ. But before I do, I want to have a moment to gloat. Uh, yeah, I've just been informed that I am top of the league. Uh, just so we know, for fans and everyone listening, yes, Nigel is top of the prediction Which league? league Please so explain far. it. Prediction explain league. it to our viewers out there. Which prediction league is it and why are you top? Go ahead. We have a CBS prediction league for Champions League. For We make predictions of games every match day. And uh, there's a win and lose ratio. And Nigel is top of the league. That's what I need to say. And Who's at the bottom, bottom is... You, Ian. Ian is bottom. <laughs> Ian Joy is bottom. But anyway, back to back to the schedule. I just want to know as well from fans as well. I'd be interested to know what people think. From you two, John, JJ and Ian. How worried are you about Yar Felix? He's one of the hottest properties in European football. And for me, since he's been at Atletico, I don't think we've ever really seen the full potential of him playing at least a 10 out of 10 for three consecutive games. He didn't play today, didn't start today. How worried are you about this young lad? And do you think he's wasting his talent being at Atletico? I am worried about him. I don't think he's wasting his talent. I think Diego Simeone is stifling him. And I think his quotes the other day were quite telling when he was asked, like, why doesn't he use uh, Joao Felix more? Uh, And it's basically, uh, you know, Simeone coming out and almost admitting as much as, you know, he doesn't fit the, the style of Atleti. And if that's the case given how much money Atleti drops on him, then surely you have to look to recoup some of that, uh, you know, and, and reinvest it elsewhere because, you know, just trying to, you know, just drag things on sort of in second, third gear at best. It's just, it, it, I mean, it's tedious, uh, you know, and it's not going to work for, for Atleti, you know, for where they want to be, for where they are uh, already. Uh, you know, I think it's just got to be, uh, you know, there, there has to be wholesale changes now. It feels really, I mean, stale. I mean, we've said it so many times, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really does. I mean, I want to know everybody else's opinion out there. Drop it in the comments before. What do you think should happen at Atleti? Obviously, they still have an opportunity of going through here. It's going to be really interesting to see how they face up against Leverkusen on match day five. Um, Jao Felix in particular, though. Nice. is he still one of the hottest prospects? Is he still one of the hottest players out there on the market? I'm Ian, not so sure he Ian, is, mate. I'm telling I'm you now, so sure. from the moments that I've seen him, he is talented, but I agree with JJ. I think he's being stifled by the manager. I've been there many times where I've seen some managers come in and they just don't believe in certain players. And I've seen how 
from having so much confidence in their own ability, it just drops to like a place where you won't believe. You don't become a bad player overnight. But the moments where he's been out there to express himself, that kid is super talented. He is just yep. at the wrong club right now. If he's in a different club, he let me ask you this then, Nigel. Him. Is it, and we've got a great comment coming in from Rafa right here. He says, Atletico needed to sack Simeone years ago. Is it the I wrong manager too. for a player like João Felix? Because it seems to me like there are certain players who fit the philosophy, the tactical we, approach, the way Atleti want to play. But João Felix, to me, it's just frustrating so, when you uh, watch well, that him make, play For me, then that Simeone. makes it even more questionable, Ian, is the recruiting. Why get him? Because from when Simeone took over Atletico and got his plan going, we knew what type of players he'd recruit. You had to be a certain type of player to play for Diego Simeone. So it doesn't make no sense to me why you'd go for a player of that caliber, a young player of that talent, to put him into your system that doesn't work. And now the problem you've got is this. It's not just the manager. It's also the team and system around him. So they're mm -hmm. not going to be able to adapt to change that around him. So everything for me is just completely wrong for that young talent at that club that he needs to go to a club where his talents will be more suited to. And there are many top teams in Europe that could use that kid. Yeah, outstanding. Some of the great comments coming right in here. Vic just said he's wasting away at Atletico, not productive for Portugal either. He's got a contract until 26, but they'll find it difficult to get 60 million for him, including the price tag they paid for this kid. I think they're right. They're going to struggle to get that money back on him. They have good players, but they play awful. It's predictable football. That one comes in from Rafa. Keep all the comments coming, guys. We're discussing Leverkusen Porto. We're discussing Atletico Madrid and Brugge. We're about to move on from Group B and take a break before we get to some excellent action on the other side of the break. Uh, but real quickly before we go, I have to just point this out because we don't speak highly enough. And I'm glad you did, JJ, just a moment ago about what's happening at Brugge and what they have done in the Champions League this campaign. I was so impressed with what Sima Mignolet did today in goal. They have, he had three saves against Bayer Leverkusen, three saves against Porto, five saves against Atletico Madrid on match day three, and nine saves today against Atletico Madrid hasn't conceded a goal. It's insane. That's how you go through in the Champions League. So congratulations to Bruges for getting themselves through there. Did anybody, I, any of us here, predict that Bruges would go through? Nice, did you? I personally didn't. I really didn't predict it. And I think that, again, you guys, you and JJ, are a lot more knowledgeable than I am on Bruges. And I know they've been doing a building process. And to be fair, to a certain degree, I was going to compare them to what we saw happening at Atalanta and uh, the, the progress that Atalanta had made consistently for years. Obviously not this year, because they're not in any European competition, but you've got to give credit. And again, I think there's so many clubs that can do that. It just depends on what is the game plan? What's the manager? What's the director of football? Are you really being proactive and out there and going out and scouting these players? Or are you being lazy? And we can see clearly what clubs have been lazy in the direction of where they want to go. And one of the big boys that has been lazy really badly is Juventus. And that's why they're struggling as well anyway. But... Yeah, I think they've done great. And it's great for football as well, for, for Bruges. JJ, anything to add before we get to break here about this group? Group B with Bruges sitting top of the table. Obviously, there's a cracker between Atletico Madrid and Leverkusen sitting on three and four points. Porto on the six points. They've got Bruges in the next game. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, absolutely. I was a bit disappointed with uh, with Leverkusen capitulating against Porto, but when you concede an early goal like that, uh, you know, I think it always risks, uh, you know, sort of bringing back some of the bad habits, especially you know as Leverkusen endured such a difficult start to the season. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm keen to see how this one plays out. I mean, Brugge, as we know, have already booked their place in the in the next phase. Still feels fairly open though, uh, you know, this for the three other teams, and I wouldn't write Leverkusen off just yet. I think Europa League is probably more likely for them but I think there's a real possibility that a team like Atleti you know perhaps uh, you know 
could drop out of Europe altogether. I mean, it really depends on that game, that next game against Leverkusen at home. There were some amazing actions today. Obviously, you're trying to watch every single game. It's difficult to watch the Champions League. You want to focus on one game because you want to really get the story of the game, especially when you do what we do. Um, but I watch goals and goals and goals, and I'm listening to goals going in without even paying attention to what's going on. But in the Leverkusen, I went back and had a look at some of the statistics from the game because it surprised me that they got beaten by three goals to nil after beating Schalke four goals to nil at the weekend and Xavi Alonso's debut in charge on the bench. They had 17 shots Four of them on target, Leverkusen, zero goals. Porto obviously got their three goals with three shots on target, two penalty kicks in there as well. Certainly didn't help things. That video review played a part in that game, but congratulations to Porto. We got to give them credit. We probably don't speak about them enough, but job well done I do. from them. Speak for yourself, Ian. I do. And I picked them to win. Well done, Porto and all the Porto fans. Don't listen to Ian. He didn't pick you. He went with his German passport. Oh, Leverkusen. So good and talented. No, same old story. Do you, do you know they what lost. they were today? Do you know what they were today? Leverkusen? They were scheisse today, Nigel. Scheisse. They were nowhere near good enough. Anyway, that wraps up Group B. We're going to take a quick break. So make sure you stick with us. We're going to have a look at the rest of Wednesday's fixtures. Plus, we'll get an update from JJ as to what has happened with the Mbappe situation in Paris. Oh, welcome back to Kate Galato. You are joined by you enjoy Nigel Rio Coker and my good friend Jonathan Johnson. Before we get into the latest from Mbappe and what is happening in Paris, I'd like to just point out that our chat is open for all of you out there. Do you don't need to put anything out. Drop the comments. Just address in there. that comment. Address <laughs> that start comment here. right now. Hernandez, I love it. Address that comment, Ian. Let me ask you, Nigel Rio Coker. Okay. In the Champions League, it's been amazing to watch them do this, to score the goals the way they've done. Obviously, I should never have bet against Bayern, but I still feel like there's something not right with this football club. And I think I've been proven right in the Bundesliga. Something isn't quite right. No, 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 no. All we're, of we're, talking Bundesliga. we're talking Champions League. Oh, they're not going to get out of the group. I'm like, are you sure? Are you crazy? Bayern crazy. not getting out? Yeah. I am crazy. Ian, 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 at this moment in time, is like one of those conspiracy theorists with like a tinfoil hat. Just screaming yeah, exactly. that Bayern are going to collapse. Like, <laughs> I'd like to apologize to everybody out the there who is a Bayern Munich fan, anyone who is a Bundesliga fan. Everybody out there knows that I want Bayern Munich to go well. I want Bundesliga clubs to do well as well. I like to support the Bundesliga. It's obviously my favorite league to follow. But I am absolutely surprised to see the way that Bayern got out of the group. So I apologize to everybody involved with Bayern Munich. Let's get on to more important topics. Thank you very much. But please keep your comments coming as you are watching Kegel So JJ, let's get into it. Mbappe, the story will not die down. There's a lot more come out this morning. What is going on over in Paris, man? Well, what's not going on over in Paris at the moment? So, yeah, obviously not ideal for PSG leading into the Benfica match. Reports start emerging that, that Mbappe feels betrayed by the club uh, and is asked to leave. Uh, it gets to the point where the sporting advisor, Luis Campos, has to speak before the match, uh, you know, denying that there's been any contact at all sort of between him, between the, the club management and, and Mbappe. Uh, acknowledges yet that there is, you know, a bit of a, a bit of tension, but not anything to the level of the reports. And then sort of those reports were doubled down on earlier today, saying Mbappe now wants to force his way out uh, in 2023, that, that Campos could uh, could follow him uh, if uh, certain figures at the club are, are not moved on. So yeah, very, very messy. And, uh, it, you know, it, it feels, it felt a lot, uh, you know, around the Benfica match, like it was a, a power play from, uh, from the, you know, the player's, 
entourage, you know, to get him mm -hmm. what he wants, which is his position to be changed. So it's the same as in the French national team. Uh, but also, you know, you've now got these other revelations being dropped as well by, uh, you know, by the likes of media part about, you know, things going on at, uh, at PSG that are a bit untoward. So, you know, it kind of feels like, I'm not going to say the wheels are coming off just yet because obviously on the pitch, PSG is still unbeaten, so it's definitely not a bad start to the season. But they've got Marseille coming up at home in Ligue 1 this weekend. That is going to be a real test to see, you know, just how much this Mbappe situation has impacted, uh, you know, the the PSG squad and sort of the feeling around the club at this moment in time. Because it certainly, uh, you know, wasn't expected even sort of, uh, you know, 36 hours ago. You know, we had uh, the likes Man. of Ben Jacobs earlier today saying how Galtier felt blindsided, uh, you know, by the by the emerging reports. So, yeah all not well for the moment and it'll be interesting to see you know how this situation evolves in the next couple of weeks because obviously this has the potential to drag on uh you know and really uh you know potentially taint psg's season mm -hmm. jj i've got two questions for you first one do you think with all of this happening with mbappe that he's damaged his reputation because obviously i haven't seen anyone in the media or in the press and ex french legends and french players no one's backing him and they've been heavily critical of him and how he's behaving like a spoiled child. And then second question, realistically, with all the clubs that he's being linked with, what club do you think could really afford Mbappe? Obviously, we're seeing now links with Liverpool, but for me, I think that's going to be crazy far-fetched with the fact that they've signed uh, uh, Nunes. So how are they going to be able to afford him? And then now with Real Madrid, how they are, would they really need an Mbappe? Would they need this extra baggage of media attention, which isn't the Real Madrid way. So what club do you reckon realistically could afford also, also on top of that, Nigel, how much would he cost, JJ? Cost them. I mean, they're, 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 they're all really good questions. Uh, I mean, first of all, I think in terms of sort of how Mbappe has been received, I, honestly, I think um, Mbappe wore a lot of people's patience out before this episode. I think a lot of people got fed up with the sort of on and off saga. You know, is he staying? Is he going? Uh, you know, and once he finally signed his contract, I think people were just so glad to wipe their hands of it. Uh, you know, they were they were quite relieved to not hear that much about Mbappe up until this moment in time. And now, obviously, with this coming out, I think it's brought up a lot of people's I wouldn't say necessarily ill will, but, you know, there's still that sense of fatigue in, in people that they're just fed up of hearing, uh, you know, that Mbappe is, you know, not happy at PSG. You know, he signed this bumper, uh, you know, big contract. He and his entourage knew that they were handing over a lot of leverage when they signed up to that deal because, you know, Mbappe's leverage was at its highest uh, before he signed, uh, you know, that new contract. So if he really wasn't convinced that staying at PSG was the best thing for his career. He had that opportunity in his hands to move on and didn't. So, mm -hmm. you know, now I think, I mean, realistically, yeah, where, where does he go? It's, to be honest, it doesn't really matter to PSG. He's signed that contract with PSG now. He's going to be their player for the next couple of years. And they know that if he does leave, he'll be leaving on their terms, which is to extract a fee. That fee will be a big one. You'd have to assume it will be at least equal to Neymar's 222 million euro fee, if not more. But then you <laughs> whack on top of that the massive salary that he's on at the moment, best paid player in the world, according to Forbes in their latest report. Which club in the world can, you know, can, can afford that at this moment in time? There aren't any. You know, I don't know how many levers Barca would have to pull to try and you know, make something happen there. But it feels extremely unlikely. You know, I think that Real door will be closed for a few more years yet. I don't think it'll be closed forever, but I do think it'll be closed sort of next summer-ish. Uh, you know, and as for Liverpool, like Nigel said, you know, they've got Nunez. 
and suddenly based, I mean, despite the fact that they, you know, absolutely thrashed Rangers tonight, that team is going to need a, an overhaul soon and not just sort of one new piece added to the, to the jigsaw. We're yeah. talking about, you know, multiple pieces coming off of the board and new players coming in. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. We got some great comments coming in. The Premier League is the only realistic destination given the wages that he is on right now, Matt Osman says. Uh, keep the comments coming as to what you think should happen. Oh, Newcastle, another Newcastle. great one from Matt. Not many clubs can afford Matt, him. Financial uh, fair play is the biggest question as to what you do with a player like Mbappe, especially after he signs a, a longer-term contract. Uh, could have been that free agent. This is a difficult situation. Let us know in your comments where you think he should go there. Nigel, go ahead before we move on and get back to the Champions League. Ian, you got to tell Matt, uh, has he been to Newcastle? I think Mbappe <laughs> going from Paris with all the models and going to hey, Newcastle. That's, hold on. That's a, hold that's on. a change. <laughs> it's a great night out in Newcastle, let me tell you that much, Nigel Real Coker. I yeah, know you've had one or two. Out, but that's a big change for Mbappe, mate, from, <laughs> from the lovely streets of Paris <laughs> to Newcastle. Go ahead, JJ. Well, the, the, th the thing is... The thing is, we're joking about that. I actually suggested it for Neymar a couple of months ago that it could be the only realistic destination. And I guess this would be my final point on the on the Mbappe saga or the latest Mbappe saga is that actually, if Mbappe had just been a little more patient, the situation could work out in his favor in the next uh, sort of six to 12 months because you've got that situation on the horizon with Messi. You know, does he stay at PSG or does he return to Barca? Does he go somewhere else? But you've also now got Neymar suddenly in such form the clubs actually might want to buy him again. Then suddenly, if you've got those two players moving, there's no doubt that Kylian Mbappe is the top dog in that team. And they can bring in the, the kind of profile of striker that he wants to play alongside so that he can mirror his position in the French national team. I think it's a bit short-sighted of Mbappe to expect that PSG would be able to make sweeping changes to their squad while paying through the nose to keep him, uh, you know, on that new contract. You know, so I think really... You know, there there needed to be, you know, Mbappé needs to come back into touch with reality a little bit. Nice little comment coming in from Caleb right there. The only way right. I see him in Madrid is if he comes and kneels down in Fiorentino's office and publicly apologize, which is a fantastic point right there. Thanks, everybody, for your comments. Yeah, just coming. last quick, right? Like, just before I say, sorry, I know, I know you want to get on, but my last thing is yep. this. Like, let's be real about this. Clubs will not want all this media baggage especially if you're not producing the goods on the pitch. Yes, you're Mbappe. They can make nonsense, sales. Nigel. Nonsense. This nonsense. You're, you're, telling me, you're telling me that no one will want to sign Mbappe. If I'm Mbappe's on the market and you can afford it, they don't give a shit about baggage. what he's like. They will want all this <laughs> no. baggage. Ian, if you've got a good team, a team, and you bring someone who wants to come in and be a diva, yeah, you can sell the shirt sales. If you're not winning, that goes against everything you're trying to build. Is one player worth bringing in to disrupt a good team that could compete and get to finals and win league titles? Clubs nowadays, do you really need that baggage? No. Real let me Madrid ask you this. Then. Okay. Let me ask you Real this. Madrid, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but let me ask you this. If he's in Paris right now, their destination, what their, their biggest golden ticket is to win the Champions League, right? Would they put up with him right now? They are putting up with him. Would they want to keep him and fight for him to potentially win a Champions League? Answer me that one. Of course they would. Of course they would, but you still have to build a team and pieces around him. I'm talking about clubs who don't need to do that. They got a great team, Nigel, Paris Saint-Germain. JJ, do they not have a great team? Do they have a team that's capable JJ, of winning the Champions the League, yes or not? Great or good, great or... Mm. No, I mean, they, they they definitely have a team that I think is capable of being a contender. I can't say that I would consider them favourites, but I didn't have any 
absolutely overwhelming favorite for, for this season's edition. The only thing I guess I would say, and it's not particularly useful in this context, is that I would take him at Villa Park, sliding on his knees in front of the oh, whole tent, celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> Nigel, give us the last word on Mbappe before we get out here and get back to the Champions League. We've, most of our no, viewers I mean, listen, it's, it's, very for, it's sad to see for a player of that caliber and talent. And again, it goes to me. I'm old school. I like the old school players. Just do your business, live your life and be true to who you are. All this of people around him letting this stuff come out, it doesn't put him in a great light. It really doesn't. And there'll be a lot of other players, players who are players. If he comes to their team, there'll be resentment this, towards This him. comment's That's for you, thing. Nigel. Listen to this comment. <laughs> I can see Mbappe standing under a bus shelter at 2 a.m. in the morning with a kebab and a bottle of brown ale. Oh! That was me. That was me. That was me when we played Newcastle away. I'm not going to say what club, but that was me. <laughs> that was you last week. All right, let's move on. Oh, Thank you, 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 you brought a different type of baggage, NRC. It had all your fancy <laughs> smoking room jackets. Don't worry about that, mate. All right, we get back to the Champions League. Thank you, everybody, for your comments and the discussion right there. JJ, thank you so much for the update as well. We know you're on top of it. So if there is any breaking news with Mbappe and we figure out where he's going to end up, we'll let you know. We certainly will be the first ones to let you know on our show. So continue to follow along. Please make sure you like and subscribe and leave a comment for Nigel and his dancing. Let's get back to Group A. Uh, Rangers against Liverpool. It was built up to be the Battle of Britain. Maybe not so much. Rangers did not score a goal in the Champions League going into match day four. They did not have a point in the Champions League going into match day four. Liverpool in town. Liverpool were angry and Liverpool got a massive win. Seven goals to one against Glasgow Rangers. Mo Salah with the quickest hat-trick in Champions League history. Six minutes, 12 seconds. JJ, you take it away. Yeah, this one, this one's such a strange one. It actually reminds me of another game with a Scottish side that I saw a couple of years ago. And that was when Celtic came to Parc des Princes. They scored inside of like 60 seconds and then they suddenly got absolutely thumped. I think it was 6-1 or 7-1, similar score. It just reminded me of that. It's almost like the T, you know, the one team scores too early and then, you know, completely pokes the beast and, uh, you know, gets on the wrong side of a really, really bad reaction. But, you know, I think the thing that was most interesting is that Liverpool go in at half time 1-1, you yeah. know, looking pretty ropey uh, and then suddenly come out, you know, firing on all cylinders. I mean, if they can, you know, channel that second half energy, they should be able to take care of most of their problems in no time. But I seem to remember with Klopp at Dortmund, and I know we keep coming back to this whole seventh season syndrome at Mainz at Dortmund, now at Liverpool. I remember there were some like, Blasts of like brilliance where you'd see like the old Dortmund come back, yet they would be mired in this struggle for for the most part. And it just feels like Liverpool, they just can't get going. And yeah, you know, they've hit their stride occasionally. The, you know, the absolute mauling of Bournemouth, you know, thumping Rangers here at Ibrox tonight. But, you know, are they actually going to be able to sustain this form in any way? I'm still not sure after this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, JJ, if Ian actually had any sense, he would say that if there was one team that he could say that there's something not quite right there, Liverpool's the one. Yes, the seven-year the, the seven syndrome is slightly true and plays a part. They are in a rebuilding process. Let's not get too excited about this. Like you said, you see moments of brilliance, JJ. They played Rangers. They played Rangers. And I'm not being disrespectful to Rangers, but this... Champions League is a level way too beyond Rangers' squad's capability right now. Like, they're playing Liverpool. They're expected to win that. You could call it the Battle of England if you want, England v Scotland, but they played Rangers. Like, so if they didn't beat Rangers, then you could say they're on some serious troubles right now. 
Or maybe on the other hand, JJ, it could be the fact of your boy or your love child, Gabby Obonglahor, made comments directed at Jurgen Klopp again and he maybe had it in the dressing room. And that it's a great point. the players. It's a great point. I'm glad you brought it up there. And obviously, Gabby Obonglahor has been, been all over it, discussing and, and letting his feeling known that, you know, maybe, you know, Jurgen Klopp is feeling the pressure and Jurgen Klopp is, is losing his mind. Do you, do you guys have to watch Gabby's up. interviews with subtitles? I do. <laughs> You're a villain. I, fan. You I don't. To? I don't. I give him a lot of credit for actually saying what he says and what he feels. I, I have a lot of respect yeah, for yeah. anyone who says that, right? And I, I want, I want people, especially ex-professionals, to say that. But I thought if you go back to it and we're discussing what Didi Mahan had said about Liverpool and criticised Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp is apparently a big fan of talk sport. And let's hope that at some point he becomes a fan of this podcast as well because there is some love for Jurgen Klopp. I'm getting a bit annoyed as to how much pressure people are putting on Jurgen Klopp. Is it all his fault here, Nigel? I mean, they just won this game 7-1. Obviously, Salah off the bench scored. This, I mean, they're going to go through a period where they can't always be brilliant. Um, listen, I'm a realist, Ian, and I don't care what anyone says. When we look at what Liverpool have done for the past four or five years, hats off. They're going to go as one of the great teams of that period of football. They yeah. set such high standards. Reality, players are going to be tired. There's so, in, so much demand in the modern game right now with all the competitions that they're playing in. It's not Jurgen Klopp's fault. The players are tired. He refreshed it as best as he could. It's hard for the new players to kind of find their feet still in this new Liverpool team. They're finding their ways. Some of the players who have been there are old and they need to be moved on. They probably maybe might not have planned as well as they could have, but they did what they could within means to how Jurgen Klopp likes to run his teams. Doesn't like big mm -hmm. squads. Likes a certain type of player, certain type of attributes. Keeps his squad tight and small. Henderson, great player, great captain. Give him credit for what he's done for how many years, but maybe it's time to move off it. And then maybe for Jurgen Klopp, you can criticise him to say it's time to move off that style of the two holding midfielders that are very similar, very rugged, defensively minded. Maybe yeah. do one that's very defensively minded and rugged and maybe one a bit more adventurous going forward point. and creative, which Thiago is. So you could give him a little bit, but to play, put it all on Jurgen Klopp, I think you're stupid and you don't know football because the reality <laughs> of it is we've got to give credit to what we've seen from Liverpool for so many years. It's not going to be like that forever. And again, Maybe you give credit to Real Madrid. That's why Real Madrid don't mess about when it comes to management. Manager comes in, four or five years, you're out. Three, four years, you're out. JJ, before you jump in here, Vic Cole just jumped in the comments and he said he failed to plan for the midfield. He's responsible in part. So are you calling Vic an idiot, Nigel? Is that what you just said there? Anyone who believes that is an idiot? Go I ahead, just JJ. said he did what he could <laughs> in his means at the time, okay? He's got his style of management, which we've enjoyed for the past three or four years, a very high level, embarrassing teams and being very competitive. It's not always going to be out there, Vic. They're not always going to be those players available. Other teams are going to compete as well. And yet Henderson and are still doing a job. The problem is they can't be as aggressive and as high tempo as they've been for so many years consistently. Let's give them that. It's been consistent. JJ, go. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm criticizing Jurgen Klopp here because I am a big fan of him, what he's done, you know, and I think the way he's turned Liverpool around over the years is absolutely phenomenal. But do you not think that this intense media pressure that's been building up is because of the way that Klopp has, or that relationship between Klopp and the press has sort of deteriorated over like the last year and a half? Uh, you know, because we were talking earlier about how Mbappe grated so many people's gears, you know, with his on and off transfer saga to Real Madrid. You know, yeah. is Klopp's sort of prickly relationship with the press also not to kind of, you know, 
it's sort of surely that's part of the reason why Klopp seems to be under, you know, perhaps a lot more pressure than he is because Liverpool have certainly showed no sign of, you know, considering uh, getting rid of him. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with you, JJ. I think for sure that's what it is as well. That the, the relationship he has with the press is quite unique. And I think at times he was very arrogant and the press let him get away with it. But now, mm. as we say in England, when the S hits the fan, now you can't kind of hide and you can see there's a bit of irritation and there's bite-in and stuff. Jurgen Klopp has no reason to bite to Gabby Abonglahor. I've shared a dressing room with that guy. I used to bite to him. At, point, at points, I wanted to smash his head through a wall. But you don't bite to Gabby Abonglahor when your manager has achieved what you've achieved. Come on. Yes, the pressure's getting to him. But again, it goes to show the world that we're in. Let's be real. When you've been at the top for so long, any ounce of cracks that start to appear, the press want to jump on it because they want to bring yes. you straight back down as hard and as fast as they can. And that's yeah. the reality. But at it's the same like, time, we've got to be balanced and give credit when credit's due. Sorry, He's Nigel. Sorry, jump in now. Job. It's like a desire for, for people to fail, right? It's like yeah, when you have so much successful, it's almost as if like you, you're waiting for someone to fail so that you can sort of jump on the back and just sort of stamp them down a little bit more. But let me tell you this about Jurgen Klopp. It has happened before where he's struggled and I get the seven-year syndrome, right? BS it sometimes as well, seven years. Obviously, it minds he went to Borussia Dortmund after that. He was well thought of. He was a, he was an excellent coach at Borussia Dortmund. Um, but he had the same issue as far as pushing the players so far. I mean, he pushed his players to be better than all of those players could have dreamt they could have been at Borussia Dortmund. But he burnt them out and he didn't have a squad rotation enough. Like if you think of what Sir Alex did at Manchester United, when they were winning, he freaking rotated. He got some of the best players out, next one in, next one in to keep it fresh all the way through. And I feel like Liverpool at times, they've been guilty of not rotating enough. Played a lot of the same 11s, made one or two tweaks. They should be making five or six tweaks to keep that squad fresh, ready to go. And right now they find themselves in a situation where he's just desperate to get results. This result, of course, today against Rangers will take a lot of pressure off his shoulders and it puts them obviously in a prime position right here. Um, Ajax Amsterdam had a meltdown against Napoli. So we'll touch on that game just a, a real quick time here. Napoli on fire, um, JJ, once again. I know Nigel's going to rave about Napoli. He predicted this uh, that they would continue scoring goals like this. And it's hard not to think right now that Napoli, the way they're playing, is the most entertaining team in Europe right now. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely one of the, you know, one of the main candidates being really impressed uh, by them so far, this European campaign. Uh, you know, I'm really excited to see sort of what the the business end of the season has in store for them because we got a, a small taste of it last season. Obviously, they fell away in the end uh, in Serie A, but it, it just feels like they're going to have more staying power this year based on the, the way that they've been performing so far. Have to admit, disappointed, uh, you know, with the with the reaction from Ajax. I was kind of hopeful for a minute after Bergwijn scored that penalty that I was going to get the, the draw that I predicted, but, you know, Napoli pulling away at the end. Uh, you know, and credit to them, you know, they, they deserve the lead that they have in this group at this moment in time, the the advantageous situation that they've carved out for themselves. You know, my my only hope for Napoli is that they can continue uh, this form, uh, you know, both domestically and, uh, and in Europe as well, because it still feels like, you know, maybe one or two key players, if, if somebody picked up an injury or got a, a lengthy suspension or something like that, that could rock them uh, a little bit, especially if it's somebody like uh, Kvitscha or uh, Ozyman, who obviously was missing for a, a fair chunk of uh, last season when their form started to go to pot. Listen, I'm going to say it right now and state it. 
I want Napoli to win this year's Champions League because what I've seen from that team is fantastic. It really will be a breath of fresh air to the Champions League, but it's credit to the manager and the players because they play fantastic football from back to front and they have a team dynamic. And again, we've got to give credit. Their main man is back. Osman's back. The main striker, the one that they've been looking for, there's no way he should have scored that goal that he did with the closing down. But that's the aggression, the desire, the passion that we're talking about. And that's what we yep. see every time from a Napoli team. Even when they're defending, they've got both lines of players back on their 16-yard box defending. And when they break, they go, I want Napoli to win this year's Champions League. And I'm saying it here, unlike Ian, who sits on the fence. No, no, no. I'm very impressed with what, what Napoli are doing right now. And I'm, I'm really happy for Osimhen as well. That's his first goal since August, as you mentioned, coming back from injury. So happy for him. Quaradona, once again, on the score sheet, five goals in his last six for club and country, just continuing his fine form. Raspadori, fourth Champions League goal, only the third Italian player to score in each of his first ever Champions League games. Remember, he didn't play in the game against Liverpool on match day one. So incredible result. And for Mexican fans out there, Chucky Lozano on the score sheet to open the score and only four minutes into the game. 22 goals in the last six games, all comps for Napoli. They are on fire. They go through. Let's move on to Group D, which is very tight as we head into the next match day. Tottenham Hotspur with a 3-2 victory over Frankfurt. They, they were a little touch and go towards the end of the game. They started off a little sloppy. Eric Dyer making a mistake. Daichi Kamara opened his goal scoring before Hyungman Song got on the score sheet a couple of times and Harry Kane did from the penalty spot. Uh, Frankfurt did pull one back late in the game, um, but also down a man for 30 minutes of that match. Sporting Lisbon, nil, Marseille, Two red card galore in that game. JJ, I know that game kind of peed you off a little bit there. Sporting getting the two red cards, but a big win right there for Marseille, man. They're back in the hunt. Yeah, you know what? If somebody one day wants to write a book about how to throw away your Champions League group stage campaign, and I'm not sure who would buy it. I don't think there'd be a massive audience for it. It would definitely be based around Sporting Lisbon's two matches against Marseille this group stage Two examples in different matches, uh, you know, of how you completely kill your chances in a game. And, you know, they had a six point lead uh, after the after the opening two matches. And then suddenly, uh, you know, that has diminished and Marseille find themselves in second in the group. It's incredible. It's it's superb for French football. So I shouldn't be, uh, you know, complaining too much. But to see, you know, the sort of role reversal between those two teams, just between those two games. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's mind-boggling. But you, the other crazy thing about this group is it's still so tight. Obviously, Spurs just eking out that victory by one goal uh, against Eintracht Frankfurt. It still feels like it really could go any which way at this moment in time. Nigel, yeah, talk against right, the mess, mate. Go, sorry, and go on. I was just going to say Tottenham against Sporting in that next match day. As you look at the group right now, obviously the two teams in the middle on second and third, Marseille six points, Sporting on the six points, Tottenham with the seven points. Anyone can go through from this uh, group. There's two match days left to go. Who does go through from this group? And also touch upon Tottenham getting an important three points today, Nigel. Massive win for Tottenham. I think the next game is what's really the most important thing. You talked about that one, Ian. It's Tottenham versus Sporting uh, at, at White Hart Lane. That's Sorry, a massive yeah. mm -hmm. game. That's a cup final there for me. I still personally feel Sporting and Tottenham will get through. I really do. But I think that there, Tottenham would want to get the job done. Fans are going to be behind it because they're going to know how important that game is. But it's not going to be easy, especially what happened to them last time they played Sporting away. But I think Tottenham and Sporting will still find a way to get through as, the, as tight as this group is. Hey, hey, JJ, sporting, got... If Sporting keep getting players sent off, they won't have anyone left by their final game. <laughs> 
JJ, we got a comment coming in right here from a fan of Amina Harit here. Uh, Hicham with the comment coming in. Amina Harit is a player I followed, obviously, when he went to Schalke pretty closely. And how well is he doing at Marseille? I haven't been able to catch too many games from him. But in recent weeks, he's been playing pretty well in the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, he's you know rediscovered a bit of his form at Marseille. I mean, I wouldn't you know, necessarily say he, you know, can sort of buy into his own hype just yet, which has often been the the issue for him. But I don't think anybody, anybody who's seen him play will deny that he is an extremely talented kid on his day, just needs a bit of consistency. Uh, and the thing that I like about this Marseille side, and I, I didn't expect to be saying this at the beginning of the season, is they're starting to find a bit of consistency. It's nice to see the, the domestic consistency now creeping into Europe. Obviously, they've had a huge helping hand from Sporting in those red cards, but mm-hmm. uh, you know we're not going to be too picky about it in Ligue 1 because we want the biggest clubs to be getting through to the knockout phases of the Champions League at the end of the day. But you know to have uh, you know guys like uh, Harit, I, I think Tudor feels like he can build uh, you know something more. So something built to last, uh, you know, at Marseille with guys, younger guys like Harit, uh, rather than relying on somebody like Payet, who, yes, fantastic as he's been, you know, is not getting any younger. His fitness is, uh, you know, a bit of a concern, hence why he's had, you know, depleted game time this uh, this season so far. And, you know, it just feels like, you know, Harit fits that vision of a more vibrant younger uh you know marseille side which is certainly what tudor is trying to go for now as opposed to what sam Pauli was going for uh with more experienced players yeah you can certainly see it's having success domestically and also now you can see they've got a chance now to get out of the group which is uh getting pretty tight in group d uh, rafa believes that tottenham and marseille will go through in the group gentlemen as always thank you very much but i got a quick question for you right here we know that uh, there was a hat trick and the quickest hat trick in champions league history tonight for Mosley scored in six minutes and 12 seconds when he came on the pitch how many touches of the ball did he have scoring those three goals four I'll let Nige go first four, <laughs> four. JJ quick guess I will go five he had nine touches of the ball tonight to score a hat-trick. It is the fewest in a match for any of 112 hat-tricks that have been scored in the Champions League since Opta have started falling the Champions League in 2003-2004. Incredible. Nine touches of the ball, six-minute hat-trick, 7-1 victory in Glasgow. Congratulations to Liverpool. Thank you to all of you guys uh, for joining us tonight. Absolutely awesome. But final thoughts on the match day. It's been a great couple of match days, obviously, recapping it as well. It's been a joy to have you here. JJ, you were in Paris yesterday, obviously, watching PSG's draw. Um, But just final recaps before we get out of here and say goodbye to everybody. JJ, you go first. Yeah, I mean, just, uh, you know, once again, another week or midweek of, you know, fantastic footballing action. You know, this is why we do it. We love it. Uh, You know, and it's just great when you have evenings like this where there's so much going on. It just makes talking about it, picking through it with you guys, you know, even more of a pleasure. So uh, thanks once again for the opportunity. It's always uh, always a highlight of my week. Um, Ian, who's top of the league? That goes to you. Uh, JJ, take care of my 50-year-old cognac and I'll see you soon. <laughs> and anyone else watching, Nigel knows what he's talking about. Listen to me. You'll be very well educated. Don't worry about Ian or anyone else. Great game of football we've been in. Uh, if, you li- if you listen to Uncle Nigel, you'll think that life's a catwalk. 
Sounds like Nigel's already opened those bottles of cognac already the way he's trying to finish the show. Oh, oh no, don't worry about that. No, and honestly, on a serious note, it's honestly been some great games of football. And for me, I think that with the Champions League, I love like when you see clubs like Napoli, Club Rouge, really coming out of nowhere, Sporting, Porto, those type of clubs coming out, challenging the dominance of the so-called top 1% or the Super League clubs. I think that's what makes it so much more interesting. It shows how football can still be competitive if you've got a club that's being run by the right people with the right goal and desires. Yeah, it's great. And obviously, we got a great support already built up on the show. And uh, there's a lot more positive and, and fun stuff ahead for everybody out there who tunes in every week as we try to grow this baby and, and grow it into the stratosphere. Thanks to everybody who's been tuning in, who's already liked and subscribed to the show. Please make sure you continue to do so. Um, gentlemen, once again, thanks as always for joining us. Awesome stuff. Great games this week. Great comments and opinions as well. We want them to keep flowing. Please don't forget that tomorrow we'll have a preview of El Clasico. We've got Liverpool. Manchester City to preview as well as Le Classique. Um, that will be live at 10 a.m. Eastern, so make sure you jump on and watch us, listen to us, uh, share comments with us. We want to hear from you. This is your show just as much as it is our show. We're building it for you because you guys are just awesome. We can't uh, thank you enough for all of the comments that you've given us over the last few match days. It's been just brilliant to have Nigel on board and, and for me to be alongside with JJ and James Benj. What you guys have already built has been pretty special and now me driving the bus Put on your seatbelt. <laughs> it could go anywhere from here on out. <laughs> Thanks everybody for joining us today and uh, tuning into Kiko Lat. So please make sure you take a little bit of a minute here and leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. We're also available as video, unfortunately, for Nigel. So subscribe yeah, to yeah. us on YouTube. Visit youtube.com forward slash Kiko So Nigel, before we go, you want one more thing to add here? You? you got your hand up there? What's and up? a lot of credit to our amazing producer, Des. He's an Atletico fan, a bit confused, and he's Irish, but we love him to bits. I, th Top I thought you were going to say he's an athletic man. We, we no, certainly no. know he's not an athletic man. He is an athletic <laughs> fan. No, he's not. We will have a different background when you join us on Match Day 5. There's no doubt about it. We'll have Jonathan Johnson and James Bench over here in the United States of America with us. We'll all be in person for the show on Match Day 5. We cannot wait for that. But make sure you tune in tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern so you can enjoy Kegelato once again as we preview the awesome weekend's action. We'll see you then. <laughs>